0: Well, this morning we want to begin a brief Christmas series. And for our Christmas series, I was thinking back about something um, that happened about seven years ago. Uh, I did a series on the women of Christmas, because, you know, you almost never hear a series like that. And I remember that when we uploaded that to our YouTube page, we got more comments and responses to that series than any series that we had done at our church, especially uh, and including those uh, who never attended our church. So I thought, well, you know, that was such an impactful thing. Let me let me do some of that again. So uh, this month we're going to be in the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, and uh, we will not get any further than Luke chapter 1. And, well, we may get into chapter 2. Luke chapter 1, I just want to have us begin uh, with verse 5, and we'll go down through uh, probably verse 17. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah His wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the law, blameless, of the Lord, excuse me, blameless. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren. And they were both well advanced in years. So it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer is heard. And your wife, Elizabeth, shall bear you a son. You shall call his name John and you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedience to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Father, thank you again uh, for this day. Thank you for allowing us to see it. Thank you for allowing us to be uh, in it, a part of all that you are doing this day. Thank you for allowing us to assemble beginning with the very first hour. We always mention it because our desire, our goal is to have 100% participation in Sunday school. But Father, we thank you that we even are able to have such a thing as Sunday school where people can come and build themselves up on their most holy faith and discuss the word of God. Uh, Thank you also for our worship time that we're able to offer up to you and offering a praise and thanksgiving for all of your goodnesses to us, and then to sit at your feet as you speak to us, instructing us by your Spirit from your Word, that we might know your will, that we may carry it out in our daily walk. So, Father, because we want to know exactly what you say, and we want to know exactly the part in which we play in what you say, uh, we ask that you will strengthen us by your Spirit, And with the grace you provide to listen attentively to you, we ask that Satan's mouth might be stilled, his hands might be bound, that, Father, you have no part in what takes place for the rest of our time together. We want to hear from heaven. We want to be moved by your spirit to obey the commands of heaven. So strengthen us and we'll thank you. In fact, as we always say, we remind ourselves that uh, we'll be careful to give you the praise and the honor and the thanksgiving. We ask all of these things in the matchless name of our wonderful Lord and Savior, our Lord Jesus. In his name we ask, amen. The women of Christmas, we begin with Elizabeth, and I call her the middle-aged role model, I didn't want to call her an old lady because I didn't want the ladies to be mad at me. So she is seasoned. She is a middle-aged role model. And we want to talk about her uh, this morning. We want to talk about the, the Christmas season. And it struck me because the Christmas season began in Luke's narrative, not so much with Christ, but with the forerunner of Christ, the one who would introduce Christ into the world. I love Luke's gospel above all of the others. He's my favorite because Luke, the physician, you know, physicians care about people and because they treat people all the time, it shows up in his writings. As you, you read Luke's writings, you see how detail oriented he is and how he's always talking about people in their interactions with the Lord. And I just, I'm always drawn to the way he is so descriptive and, and, and so I love this gospel. And in this gospel, we're going to learn at least three things today uh, about the Lord and about what he would have us to do with respect to the Christmas season. Three things that we learned from Elizabeth about the Christmas season. The first thing, of course, is that Christmas is a season full of problems. Christmas is a season full of problems. And, of course, when you look at... Uh, these verses, verses 5 through 7. In the days of Herod the king, there was a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. His wife, of course, was a daughter of Aaron. This is like a, a PK, a preacher's kid who grows up and then marries a preacher. You know, they just kind of, it's all in the family there. But She was a daughter of Aaron. Her name was Elizabeth. They were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless, but they had no child because Elizabeth was barren. She'd never been able to have any children, and now all of the years of flowering and potential were uh, passed her by. And so this time was not necessarily a gracious time for her. You know, sometimes... When the Christmas season rolls around, a lot of people don't enjoy Christmas. For them, Christmas is a time of problems. Some people have mental struggles because Christmas brings back a lot of memories, and not all of those memories are really, really good memories. They remember things that happened uh, during a particular Christmas season. And so whenever something happens that you are emotionally invested in, when you remember that thing, all of the emotions come back, and you feel them all over again. And so a lot of people struggle uh, this time of year. Some people have physical challenges, uh, limitations, you know. Um, you know, some of the limitations that I face in life, uh, you know, they, I don't worry about people uh, robbing me. You know, I don't worry about people sticking a gun in my back and saying, give me your money because I don't have any money, right? I don't worry about that kind of stuff. The thing that brings me a lot of angst is when my grandkids say, Grandpa, come play with us. Because I say, okay, Grandpa, let me go take a pill first, <laughs> right? <laughs> Why do you got to take a pill? Because when I get down there, I want to be able to get back up, right? <laughs> Christmas brings out the limitations that I have with those little darlings, right? And it's like that sometimes. Uh, it's filled with physical challenges and all of the walking you have to do, and shopping and, and things of that ilk. Some of you enjoy shopping, but for the rest of us, normal, the rest of us people, uh, shopping isn't something that we just go out of our way to enjoy because of the physical limitations. And then there are social setbacks. Not everybody are people, persons, right? Some of us, uh, you know, we are a little more introverted, and we don't like crowds, you know. Uh, I saw a really, really interesting uh, sign. El Arroyo always seems to have these really great signs, and it says, I'm a social vegan. I avoid meat. And, you know, there are a lot of people that feel like that. They don't want to be around a lot of other people. So, you know, they avoid the crowds. And Christmas is a time when lots of crowds are gathered together. And some people have spiritual struggles. They struggle spiritually. Uh, I remember one couple uh, back in our previous ministry, and the uh, very first Christmas that they were in our church, uh, he came up and he said, Pastor, I just want to let you know we will not be here the month of December. We won't be here for Christmas. No? No. So we don't do Christmas. Oh, Okay. And they were really, really put off by the the uh, commercialism that surrounds Christmas. And they were just very, very offended. So much so until I each year after that, the first sermon on in December, uh, I talked about something that led into Christmas and how we need to prepare our hearts for Christmas so that they will be warmed up before they got offended. A lot of people have a lot of struggles fact I, i made a list i didn't put them up for you i'm just gonna walk through the list and maybe you can identify with some of these a list of potential things that can happen and they bring a lot of stress during the season uh there is shopping for gifts some people stressed about that getting to the necessary holiday parties putting up the decorations some people enjoy that But then when you're the one that has to climb up on the ladder to hang up the lights, that don't work. Anyway, cooking a meal or two or three or four, wrapping the presents, buying a tree. If you still do that kind of thing, I finally succumbed and we bought one of those things. You just put it in the box. You take it out and shake it. right. Done. Right. Okay. Fighting the traffic. I hated that. Uh, There were some streets that led down to the mall in in Flint, and then Christmas, you never went down that street because the traffic was always backed up. Making enough cookies and breads to give away. Having enough money to buy gifts. Uh, If you're married, figuring out when to celebrate at both sets of parents without offending either. Then if you're, you have small kids, all the stores are out of that Christmas gift, that Christmas toy that you're looking for. Then there are those three frightening words, some assembly required. Having the right clothes for social occasions. Never been a concern in my house. Right? Gaining weight. Always a concern in my house. <laughs> Untangling the strands of Christmas lights. And then finding that they only work for three weeks, right? Then after that, you never get them to work again. I don't know why they don't. You take them out the next year and they don't work, right? Uh, cleaning the house in preparation for Christmas. Uh, Christmas programs for the kids at school. Sending out Christmas cards. And most of the time you say, I'm not going to do it next year. Then you get three cards from people and you, you feel guilty. So you buy another box because they only come 20 to a box. So you got to tw- send out 20. Cleaning the house. Having to hear grandma got run over by a reindeer 150 times. right? Forgetting someone to whom you were supposed to have purchased the gift. Feeling the pressure to make a memory this year when you don't want to get into those Christmas pajamas that everybody's wearing these years. Knowing that you were supposed to be done with the project by December 25th. Facing relatives you don't get along with. Knowing that maybe you'll spend Christmas alone. Then there are those three often overlooked worries, batteries not included. Being a part of a family that celebrates separately because of a divorce paying off credit cards, missing loved ones who passed away. Some of those things come during the Christmas season and and, and they bring all kinds of pressures and all kinds of anxieties and a certain degree they can bring of unhappiness. And if your focus is on the people and the problems, then you find that you really can't celebrate Christmas. You know, Christmas is not an enjoyable thing for you. And I was struck by that. And the reason I say that is because I'm looking at this couple here. And, and, you know, they, they probably, the scriptures don't tell us this, but I would imagine that because every Jewish woman wanted to have children. And every Jewish woman wanted to have a son. And, of course, if you were married and the scripture said that children are the blessing of God, right? The fruit of the womb is the reward and, and you don't have any children. Well, are, are you cursed of God? And here's a couple of me. He's, he's a priest and she's the descendant from priests, the Aaronic priesthood. And, and they're living. The, the scripture says that they were blameless before the Lord. They, they were living the way you're supposed to live. They they were doing all the things you're supposed to do. Their lives were righteous, and you would assume that the righteous life would qualify you to get the blessing of God, and yet God has not blessed them. And there's there's an empty place in their hearts, and sometimes the season comes around, and it doesn't bring joy. It brings memories that are painful, and it brings about a feeling of emptiness. And, and I think that's where they were. And so Elizabeth reminds me that, that Christmas is a season that can bring a lot of problems. We don't want to forget that. However, Christmas is a season of great privilege, a season of great, great privilege. I I, I, I love this because these two thoughts I put down, God, God hears the cry of my heart. If you go down to the verse 13, you, you know that when uh, Zacharias went in, the angel appeared to him and uh, told him these things. Um, verse 13, he says, don't be afraid, Zacharias. Your, your prayer has, has been heard. God, God knows where you are. You know, sometimes you may feel, well, nobody knows. Nobody cares. God's not listening. It doesn't matter what I feel. Listen, he does know how you feel. And he cares about how you feel and about what you're going through. And as they've been praying, he says, "Your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you're going to call his name beloved." John. I'm struck by that God, God hears the cry of my heart, and listen, God holds a special blessing for his faithful. I say that because look at what he says, verse 14. Verse 14 says, you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. I put down, uh, it says 12 through 17. It's really 15 through 17 because I couldn't fit verses 12 through 14 on the slide. But, but look at what he says. He says, he will be great. In the eyes of the Lord, he, he'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. He'll persuade many Israelites to turn to the Lord their God. He'll be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He'll precede the coming of the Lord, preparing the people for his arrival. He'll turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. He'll change obedient, disobedient minds to accept godly wisdom. Wow, this guy's going to be something. And you know, three things crossed my mind. All pastors always think in terms of threes. The first thing I thought was, if if you knew that you were going to have a child that was going to be like that, would you abort the child? Would you say, uh, I, I don't care about any of that. I, I, listen, I, I want to have my fun. I, I'm going to, I'm going to go for me, right? The kids inconvenient. I, I don't have time for that. Like sweet brown, ain't nobody got time for that. Right? I gotta have my fun. Right? now. Would you abort a child with such potential? Probably not. Well, what if what if you knew that the child that you had now, you know, the, the little darling, or maybe they used to be little darlings, right? <laughs> They're a little something else now, but you can't say that out in public right? But if you knew that this was the end result, wouldn't wouldn't you want to roll your sleeves up? Wouldn't you want to get in there and say, let me do everything I can to make sure that he has every advantage that he can so that he can do all the things that God wants him to do? Wouldn't you be willing to spare no effort for the child? And I think, I, I say it because I think sometimes we we don't have our eyes on, on the Lord and what he wants to do in and, and having given us children. Sometimes children seem to be more of a burden than a blessing. Sometimes we forget that, that we're not just raising children. We're raising up adults. And, and we are to, to raise them up in such a way that, that as we sharpen them and shape them, then we aim them. And then we shoot them out so that they go into this world, God's world, and boom, they make an impact for his glory. That's what it's all about. It's not about, well, you know, my son's a medical doctor. Oh, okay. I mean, he's in prison right now for, well, of no, <laughs> <laughs> I my. Mean, I mean, you know, you, you, we can get all hyped and geeked about the financial acumen or, or about all of the praises are about what... Listen, God wants us to raise up people of character. And it takes a lot of hard work to do that. It, I mean, it's not easy. But if I knew that that was the result, i spare no effort. See? And and I wouldn't get exhausted. And like Susanna Wesley, who has 17 children, and raised them all, including john wesley and, and um and charles wesley and you know she had her rules for for raising her children you should see the rules that Susanna wesley had for raising her 17 kids to develop character in them oh, you may say well pastor okay it's all well and good <clears throat> but you're talking to me and my kids are grown and gone okay Well, here's the thing. Not all children have to be your own biological children. See, What God has done in his wisdom is he's filled you up with experiences and the wisdom that comes from experiences and and the knowledge. And what he wants you to do is he wants you to move right next to the one who doesn't have much of it so that you can mentor them. You know, when I was a, a younger man, I was actually in Pennsylvania, in Michigan. And I remember the Lord put on my heart one day to send a, a note to Brother Middlebrooks. Because, you know, Brother Middlebrooks used to be our youth director. And I so appreciate it because, you know, I dropped in on this house a whole bunch of times. Usually around dinner time. <laughs> and what you don't understand is is Brother, <laughs> Brother the Middlebrooks lived on the, the west side of Bankhead. And, and I lived on the east side in uh, Decatur. And so when I would get off work and catch the bus over to his house, you know, I did have a way home. <laughs> Brother Newbles would come home from working at the post office, tired, I'm sure. And he'd see me and he'd smile. <laughs> and we'd eat together and we'd sit and talk up together and all of that. And then uh, he'd take me home. <laughs> and, you know, I did that a lot. Do you know, brother, was never complained about any of that in my hearing. <laughs> I don't know what he said on the way home. That's between him and the Lord. <laughs> but he was always so gracious. And, and, you know, it's been like that. You know, I would drop over to Leonard's house on Thursday, so much so until one time I didn't come. And Sister Leonard said, where were you? We had a plate for you. You know, what's going on here? You know, I said, well, I'll be there next time. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's just one of those things. Some people, salt of the earth people. But anyway, I wrote a letter to Brother Middlebrooks, and I said, Brother Middlebrooks, listen, I appreciate all that you did for me. And, you know I, I, you know, I know you got your three kids, yeah. But I want you to know that I consider you to be a father to me. And, and all of the things that God does in my life, It's because of you pouring into my life. You're my spiritual father. And I said that. I'm like, I don't know how you're going to feel about it. Who are you supposed to be? But when I saw him again, he had tears in his eyes. He said, Ray, that meant so much to me. And then I realized why God nudged me to do that. I appreciate the fact that that this man poured his life into me. He poured his time into me. He poured his finances into me. And he never figured it was an inconvenience to me. Well, he never made me feel that way. And much of what I am today in the Lord is because of men like that. And the Lord has surrounded us with people like that. When you look around you, there are people who, who don't know what you know. Who, who can't go where you go, who don't know how to get there. There are people who just can't figure out how to figure out their finances. they are the people who don't know a lot of things that you take for granted now. And maybe God brought you here, and maybe God brought them here so you can interface, so you could peer mentor slash disciple. <laughs> See, I put that in there. Uh, those people See, you can have spiritual children I said to my secretary back in Michigan um, she had pancreatic cancer and a lot of other things in fact her doctor told her there's nothing normal about your body all kinds of diseases including no stomach she said I never get hungry because I don't have a stomach and I eat because I know I'm supposed to but I never get hungry it's one of those things, but you know, she never complained. because we would talk together. You know, I would remind her that, you know, God has given you a ministry to the body. And look at all the people that you get to pour your lives into, your life into. And, you know, of course there's gonna come a day when you know you have a body that has no defects. And we would we pray together and sometimes cry together. You know, but she will go on. Of course, when you look at this, you look at the potential of the person that maybe, maybe God has brought into your purview. And you say, well, man, that's a lot of time. I don't know if I want to fool with them. But if you knew that your investment in that person would result in that person becoming something really significant for God's glory, wouldn't it be worth it? It should be. Season reminds us that God has a special blessing for his people. In fact, I put down Christmas is a blessed season. God has a a special blessing reserved for this couple, though he had to this point not allowed them to have what others have. In fact, the joy and gladness they receive isn't limited to receiving just what others have. It's increased greatly because of the impact that will come from the life of the one they raise up. They're going to they're, they're gonna, they're gonna be entrusted with this young man. Let me say it like this. God, God wanted to bring his son into the world. God wanted to to bring into the world the forerunner to introduce people to his son. So God chose a special couple. He chose the people into whom he could entrust the life of this precious one who would then go on to be the person that he wanted him to be. What John the Baptist was in his life was a direct result of the parents who raised John the Baptist. And so God chose a special couple for a special task. Can I encourage you to think, outside the box, of course, that maybe maybe God wants to do something really special through you. Maybe he wants to use you to pour into the life of someone through whom he would do something else really special. You never know. But I would say that it would be just short-sighted on my part to say, I don't have time for that. The joy of the season is compounded by producing a person of impact. Someone who's separated to God, who's spirit-filled, who's spiritually successful. Someone that, that, that gotta use you to pour yourself into that they may be more like Christ. Is it worth it? Absolutely. The season reminds us that God has a special blessing. The third thing about the Christmas season, Christmas is a season of, of personal growth personal growth I, I i like that verses 24 through 25 as we as we go on down through this we'll skip zacharias's um ignorant statement questioning the lord that's bad when the priest questions the lord and god's ability to do things right <clears throat> when you go down verse 23 it says so it was as soon as the days of his service were completed That he departed to his own home. Now after those days his wife Elizabeth conceived. And she hid herself five months saying. Thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked on me. He looked on me with favor. To take away my reproach among people. I like the way the New Living Translation says it. Uh, He says how kind the Lord is. He's taken away my disgrace. Of having no children. Well, what does what does she do? What does she do? I, I believe that, in fact, that's why I put in the previous slide that just spends time digging deeper into the scriptures. You know, I, I believe that Elizabeth probably spent her time uh, researching and studying and thinking from the scriptures. You know, maybe maybe she she looked in Genesis uh, at, at Sarah and. You know, God had told Abraham that he was going to have a a multitude, right? And that all of the families of the earth will be blessed through him. And, of course, he didn't have any kids because his wife couldn't have children. (laughs) What happened? God gave her a son. And maybe she was reading it and and she happened upon the book of Judges and, and saw where, There was this man, Manoah, and, you know, Manoah was going to have a son named Samson who was going to be a judge in Israel for 40 years. But Manoah's wife, she didn't need names. But you know, Manoah's wife could not have children. But you know what happened? God, God gave her a son. And then right after that, you get into the book of first Samuel, and what you find is that there's a woman who's married to a man named Elkanah. He has another wife and she's just pumping out kids. She's fertile myrtle. She's having kids all over the place. And and Hannah, Hannah can't have any kids. If I could just get one. But nope. You know, she prays to the Lord. It says, "If you just give me a child, just give me a son, I'll give him back to you the rest of his life." She was barren, but you know what happened? God gave her a son. So you you would almost come to the conclusion that whenever God wants to to do something really special, whenever He wants to raise up someone of impact, uh, usually it'll be from the parent who has problems. Maybe God is not punishing you maybe he's preparing you for something great and maybe you're looking at it and saying oh man he hates me why can't I have what other people have when he wants to give you something better maybe just maybe he wants you to be able to praise him in a way that other people can't so it's not a time to whine You dig into the scriptures, and when you look in the scriptures, then you have hope. You say, you know, God does the incredible. I'm going to trust this incredible God to do this. I told you before that, you know, when my wife and I got married, you know, we said we're going to, you know, go, you know, a couple of years, and and then we start a family, you know. You don't want to start right away with kids. Kids are an interruption, (laughs) you know. But then, you know, after a while, we said, okay, let's have kids. And, uh, you, know, it's, uh, you know, I don't know what I was doing wrong. It's just nothing, you know, I just, I just don't know why. But, you know, the doctor said, well, you know, we can, we can do some things. You know, we can, we can give you some shots. We can, we can. and, and I, I, said, I said, you know what, no. I said, honey, I, I don't want you to take anything. I mean, we serve the God of heaven, the king of heaven. Let's just ask God for children. So we did. We prayed, Lord, you know, you got all the kids in the world. You just want one for now, you know. <laughs> Can we have one? And, you know, the next year the Lord gave us a daughter. Now, she has said, if, if I have a girl first, I ain't having no more. Like, oh, we ain't going down the road. So <laughs> I had to pray her out of that. So we... We wound up with four, you know, and praise the Lord. And they've been a great blessing to us. But it started because I'm like, Lord, we want you to do this. Because we, we don't want to say science helped us. We want to say, you know, the king of heaven blessed us. And so that's what we did. You know, I said, it brings personal growth. And it brings encouragement to others. And I say that because when we go down a little further, um, we get to Mary. Now, we'll deal with Mary next week, but I want to deal with this little incident in the life of Mary as it interfaced with Elizabeth. Look at verse 34. After the angel appears to Mary, she says, "Uh, how can this be since I don't know a man? I've never had any relations with any man. And the angel said to her, "The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby born to you will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God." And then, and I highlighted this: once more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. What's that got to do with the price? Right? People used to say she was barren, but now she's already in the sixth month. Why? Because with God, nothing is impossible. Now, why did he bring that up? Why drag Elizabeth into this? Because he wants to be able to assure Mary that, listen, God can do anything. You don't have to question whether or not God can do this. And the proof is, uh, look at your cousin. Look at what God has done. You see, sometimes, sometimes, you know, God god wants to do a thing in my life so much so that when other people see my life they're encouraging their faith to trust the lord And that's why he might put me through something that seems like a difficulty to me but when he carries me through and his blessing in the end i become a testimony that encourages other people is it worth it to go through that for the benefit of other people absolutely right. Absolutely. She says, I'm willing to be the instrument of God's choosing after she hears what God's doing in Elizabeth's life. If he can do that for her, at her age, he can do the impossible. I'll trust him. And so maybe maybe God wants to do something incredible in the life of someone else. And maybe he wants to use you and I To encourage them in their faith. Christmas is a season. Finally, Christmas is a season of praise. Season of praise. Verses 41 through 44. You notice uh, verse 39, by the way. Mary arose from those days and she went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth, and it happened that when the, when, at the sound of Mary's greeting, okay, let me get, read what I have right in front of me, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, you are blessed by God above all other women and your child is blessed. Uh-oh, wait, wait. Now Mary, she was she was talking to this this angel. And he says, you're going to have a child, and you're going to name him Jesus, and he he will be the son of God. Okay? It's good. And then she hears about Elizabeth and she goes over here to Elizabeth's house it's been what about a week? Maybe not even a week. And now Elizabeth says, Your child. This is this is the first time she's ever been told that she's pregnant. She she's told that, that God's gonna do that, but God's already done that. He's already blessed you, He's already put the child in you. Your child is blessed, and you're blessed by God. Elizabeth is able, somehow being filled with the Spirit of God and recognizing the baby leaping in her room at the sound of Mary's voice, saying, this is a God thing. You are blessed by God, and your child is blessed by God. And that's confirmation to Mary. Praise God for, for his, his provision and his encouragement. And I say, Christmas is a season of praise to people for their part, for their part. Verses 42 to 45, Elizabeth gave a glad cry and says, You're blessed by God above all women, and your child is blessed. And then she says, What an honor this is, that the mother of my Lord should visit me. Imagine, Her saying, the mother of my Lord should visit me. How does she know? I think it's because she's done the research about what God desires to do. She says, furthermore, you are blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he says. That's faith. You're a woman of faith. Instead of of saying, "Mm," by Zacharias, I don't know about that. That sounds kind of suspect I I don't see I don't see it. She's saying, Lord, I'm the Lord's handmaid. Whatever you say, let it be done. Now, it's it's done. You you believe that God would do what He said He would do. Let me just pause long enough to talk about what biblical faith is. Biblical faith is is believing, simply. That God would do what he said he would do. God said. Jesus said. He who hears my word. And believes on the one who sent me. Has everlasting life. Eternal life. And and he won't come into judgment. But he's, he's crossed over. He's passed out of judgment, out of death, into life. He's saying that the person who believes me, when I tell you that you put your faith in me, you receive me, as many as received him, Christ, to them he's, he's given the right to become children of God, even to those who believe on his name. That if you you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Understand, no one can say that Jesus is Lord, Paul says, unless the Holy Spirit does it, puts that in him. So Jesus is Lord is simply a statement that says, I've surrendered my life to him. And only as the Spirit of God moves in you to make that decision that I'm going to surrender my life to Christ, can you say Jesus is Lord? But that means that I trust him to do what he says. He says that, that if, if I receive him, that he forgive. Not some of my sins, not most of my sins, but all of my sins. Salvation is, is found in no one else. There's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. We're only saved by putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and his finished work, his shed blood. It's not me trying to do something to get God to respond to me. You know, I'm going to try to be good. I'm going to turn over a new leaf. I'm going to stop cussing and fussing. I'm going to stop kicking the dog. I'm going to stop being angry with people and raining. my. T- it's not all any of that stuff. God's not calling me to reform my life. He's calling me to, to give up my life, give it to Jesus that he might transform my life. And then he'll change me. He's not asking me to change myself. He's asking me to trust him and let him change me. Why did Jesus come? He came to save, to seek, and to save. What was lost. And Mary, because you believed that the Lord would do what he says, you received his promise because I put my faith and trust in Jesus. I received the gift of eternal life. Well, let me end by giving you three life lessons from this middle-aged woman. Three life lessons quickly. Number one, problems like those Chinese symbols for crisis. Are God designed you know that the Chinese word for crisis is composed for two different symbols right one symbol by itself means danger the other symbol by itself means opportunity and when you put them together a crisis is something you have to be careful but there is a great opportunity there and sometimes God he brings problems he doesn't do it because he hates me he does it because he wants to do something great into and through me so listen don't don't drown the pain use it don't say man i hate this season because this was when this happened well use use that sorrow use the pain don't don't try to drown it out with drugs or alcohol or something else, use it to to say, Lord, you, you know. You know where I am. And you know what I need. I, I need your strength. I need your love. I need you, your comfort. And God, he'll give me what I need and he'll enable me to overcome the circumstance. Number two, people, both young and older, are worth the time and investment. People are worth the time. Don't don't hide your heart. As you look around you, get involved in the process of of raising up warriors. You know the the guys at the back. I know they they're not back there right now because they went downstairs to practice for next week. But you know I, I can see every every Sunday. You know they say, oh, oh here come pastor. You know, so they turn over their cell phone. <laughs> Some of them. <clears throat> but, you know, here come Pastor Ray. Yep, here he comes. Hey, pat the shoulder. Give me that handshake. You two, give it up. You know, every, every Sunday, they're warriors. And I want them to know that. I want them to know I think that. I want them to know I'm praying for them that they'll turn into that. And I, it doesn't bother me they... I don't care. You can look at me any kind of way. You're you going to shake my hand. You're not walking by trying to squeeze. come here, boy. Give me that hand. Right? It's just one of those things. You, you see people and you see what God wants to do in the lives of people. And it just warms the heart. And you see, spare no effort. You know, God wants to use you to, to raise up warriors. Get involved in the process. Sign up for the discipleship class. When we put the you see I dropped that in there. <laughs> the next uh, we put the sign up sheet out. We're going to start up another one in the spring. Yes, we are right. And uh, your name needs to go on the list. Amen. Third thing. Christmas came because God cared. If He didn't care, then He wouldn't have sent the Son, right? But but He cared. He didn't just care about you and me. He cared about my neighbor, too. He cared about my co-worker, too. He, he cared about that, that person who forgot how to dress coming to Walmart. He cares about all of the people who cut me off and, and get in front of me at 85 miles an hour and hit the brakes. He, he cares about all of them. And, and as, as I have opportunities to talk with them, I, I want to I want to share the gift of Christmas presents. You know, Christ came to Tabernacle to to spend time to dwell with us. He is the gift of God. And this season, I want to be able to share that gift, that people might see him, that they might be warmed by his love. They may respond and submit their lives to him. Elizabeth went through a lot because God wanted to do a lot in her life and sometimes God allows us to go through some things because he really wants to do something father thank you so much again for this day thank you again for your word and thank you for allowing us to have a few minutes and looking into it and father we thank you for Elizabeth thank you for her example father I'm sure that as she, grew a year older and a year older and a year older. Despair could have seeped in. But Father, you, it wasn't that you just decided at the last minute, okay, I'll give her a child. You had in mind all along that you wanted to do something really special in her life. And a part of your special blessing was the problem that she had. So, Father, we, we don't want to minimize the potential for having problems in our lives that drive us to you, that you might allow us to overcome and bless us throughout all of them. We want to trust you. and Father, I, I pray that even today, as we think about this season, there are a lot of things to be annoyed about the season. But, of course, if we focus on the annoyances, then, yeah, we want to enjoy it. But may our focus be on Jesus. May our focus be on you and all that you want to do. And and Father, as this season presents us with opportunities, they play at least a few Christmas songs. Uh, Father, may it result in opportunities to tell others about the real reason for Christmas. And Father, your presence with us through your son, sharing and showing your love for us might be the thing that moves us in our speeches and actions. Strengthen us. And I pray again, Father, if there's anyone here today, perhaps someone uh, here under the sound of my voice, certainly even if not here, has never really made a decision as to whether or not they will surrender their lives to the king of the universe, the one who brought them here for his own glory, the one who came from heaven's splendor into a sin-cursed world, just for them to to pay the penalty for their sins. May they their eyes be opened and they'll see the the glory of the Son of God. May they sur- surrender to Him, bowing the knee. Save them today, Father. And for those of us who know Christ, strengthen us to be able to overcome the problems and to look at the privileges, and, Father, to share the presence. We ask these things in Jesus' name and for his sake.